The number one resistance that you start to see with people in terms of their purchasing habits is that they're confronted with change. And people are absolutely 100% resistant to change, <laughs> even if they want it, you know? So it's like you can't get into the game of sales without also universally speaking, getting into the game of change. Plug into the minds of the world's cutting edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders who are rewriting the rules of sales and success. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Selling with Love podcast. Super excited that I have a returning guest today who is very near and dear to my heart, someone that I've looked towards for guidance when it comes to relationships, guidance when it comes to making sense of what's happening around the world, and is a spiritual leader in the community who's got an amazing show, Astiel, on YouTube, several books, which is Anatomy of the Loneliness, and so many more out there. And I'm so excited that she's going to be here to talk about the spiritual aspects of sales. I love integrating spirituality and sales. Well, in fact, I believe that the way that we sell actually should be a representation of our spirituality because whatever it is that we sell, we will see more in the world. So I want to see what does it look like when you start merging those? I want to understand what does it look like if you have to promote yourself maybe as a spiritual coach yourself and how come we need this more than ever today? In a world that we might be slightly divided, we need to look at new concepts and see how we can all come back together. And this is why I'm so excited that I have Teal Swan on the show with me. Teal, welcome. It's a pleasure to have you here. It's good to be back. I know. We've done a few different interviews on different platforms, but I believe this is round two on the podcast, but round four on conversations. And the last time we chatted was actually looking into 2022's theme. And with the heavy rainfalls that are happening here in Bali, I remember this was a big theme that you had predicted would be happening. So I kind of wanted to maybe start at the origin of, you know, what's going on, what's the flow of the times and uh, any updates for 2022 you found quite interesting so far. I would love to say they were super interesting. It was more like everything that I've been seeing this year has come to pass. I'm still holding out a little bit, hoping that we don't throw democracy out the window here. <laughs> but we're kind of taking a nosedive as a human race. So I think you could consider me like a short-term pessimist and a long-term optimist, if you want the honest truth. We're taking a huge regression into the human ego. But I like the fact that you highlight this long-term optimism. So short-term pessimism seems to be propagating around. And so I'd love to actually focus on that space of what would be the long-term that we're expecting? Because I've been hearing this trend that, you know, in the five to six years, there's something amazing that will happen through this. What are your thoughts about that? Well, it's collective awakening. I mean, people are going to start to realize that this extremism that is taking place is not going to help anybody. I mean, I've actually never been through a time period on earth where the teachings that originated from Buddha were the ones that were most applicable, which is this teaching of the middle way. What we're seeing is that anybody who's polarizing right now is just stepping into a certain breed of dysfunction and there's serious dysfunction on both sides of the fence. So people who are interested in, you know, more of a conscious way of being, quite frankly, are stepping more towards the center that's not indecision. It's not fence sitting. It's just literally like, wait a minute, too far that way, dysfunction, too far that way, dysfunction. So why don't we take the best of both? So I think humanity in general is going to progress to that point eventually. And in doing so, we'll figure out how to create win-wins for each other. 
because extremism breeds zero-sum games. <laughs> yeah, zero-sum games I know is a big theme of what you teach and how we have to transcend that. But what I find fascinating is even in the world of like marketing and sales, Teal, I've noticed a lot of people, they're thinking, oh, if I want to get into sales and I want to stand out, I have to go to like extreme levels. And that seems to be the most dysfunctional way to go about it. So is there a good counter argument to this? Yeah, I have a really good counter argument because I think that most people are going about sales the wrong way. If you look at sales to the in alignment version, what you have is essentially an opportunity and an offering and a facilitation. That is what sales is at a spiritual level to the positive. But the flip side of that, that negative side is predation. So you can either be in this energy. I mean, it's interesting because it's like you can either, it's like walking a line, be on the side of I'm being predatory and narcissistic, or I'm stepping into this energy of offering something, of providing opportunity, of facilitation. And what's really interesting here is that sales is very much a giving act. But so many people, when they're caught up in that you know, how do I make a sale? How do I get what I want out of my customer? You're actually stuck in this narcissism and nothing will shut down a sale worse than that energy. So in this way, it's pretty interesting because like universally speaking, it's such a path actually, one of many paths to awakening and to personal growth because of the fact that it's so easy to fall into these pitfalls when you're on that that path of sales and and so so much of your success in sales is going to be about continuing to, to put yourself back into alignment and to work through these blockages that people have and also to put yourself in that mindset of ultimately what I'm here to do is to serve the person who I'm trying to sell to. And I notice that the, the sales professionals that are the absolute best are the ones who operate with that mentality. And so it bothers me immensely when we keep hearing all of these podcasts and articles that are done from people who are just like, this is how to get your client to buy. And we need to get into the mentality that sales is not about getting someone to buy something. Sales is a service where you help somebody make a decision. And a decision basically coming to a space of clarity is very, very hard for a lot of people. So this also brings us into this next space with sales, which is that you can't say sales without at the same time bringing in this concept of change. So anytime you're trying to sell somebody something or anytime somebody's thinking about buying something, it is ultimately because of meeting a need. And sometimes we're looking to meet a need or create value for somebody that didn't even know they needed in the first place. But when we're talking about a need, you're talking about change. So if I'm looking to help somebody to buy something new, I'm ultimately asking them to change something, right? And the number one resistance that you start to see with people in terms of their purchasing habits is that they're confronted with change. And people are absolutely 100% resistant to change, <laughs> even if they want it, you know? So it's like you can't get into the game of sales without also universally speaking, getting into the game of change, helping people through that change. What I watch is that a lot of, I mean, we're probably going to talk about blockages a little bit more in depth, but... When sales professionals have an issue holding people's hands through working through their resistance, I mean, you're going to lose the sale because it's about helping somebody become clear about what they need, make a decision, work through their resistance to making some kind of change. You say it in such a beautiful way that resonates 100% with what we're trying to share on the podcast here. And yes, change is hard. And I think 
you know, one of the key things from what you said that I thought was quite interesting is how for every single person, like I do a lot of sales training myself and you're right. When people have struggled with sales, it all comes about their perspective being, oh, I'm so nervous about getting on the phone or oh, I don't know what to say. I, I, and it's always about that. And the moment I see somebody being successful and that are wanting to grow as a salesperson, they'll say, you know, I feel like I don't fully understand what, if this product is good for this person, or I don't really know how it's actually going to solve their problem. And that's the kind of anxiety that comes from a very professional salesperson is they're more into the head of the person they're trying to help than the, their own head, where they're just filled with this fear, paralysis, and no action. So that to me in itself seems like a big blog. Like, why the hell does this happen? Is it because at the end of the day, we all have our narcissistic tendencies and, and you know, we have to overcome that through a process of growth and sales just <laughs> serves it on a platter and says, if you don't deal with this, you're not making money. <laughs> yes. Well, the human being is imbued with an ego. An ego is essentially a self-concept. We're aware of the self, right? And that has huge benefits, and it also has huge downsides. Those huge downsides is a self-centered focus. I mean, a human being is naturally self-centered. And, and the human species itself is so insanely self-centered, quite frankly, that it destroys the very system it's dependent on. So, yes, this is the practice that all of us are in, is transcending the I. And what I find is so fascinating is just like I was mentioning how these extreme characters seems to be popping up, gaining a lot of attention. And this is what I find fascinating is that there's still a huge amount of these people that are teaching, as you mentioned, like, oh, go and get the sale and they attract an audience. But they also get results for some people. Like in my book, I call this what is the fear pride paradox, where when you're not coming from a place of service, you're coming from a place of narcissism, you can still find success with processes and sales. You can still get people to make decisions, although not necessarily in their best interest, but you become a strong mover of energy. And I find it fascinating that people are still attracted to that. There's conversions that happen even when you don't come from the right place. And it just seems to remind me of what we witness in toxic relationships when we talk on a romantic sense as well. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on why is it that these hyper-narcissist extremists are able to be so persuasive at the same time? Well, these types of personalities, they can hyper-attune when they want to, when they're after something. They're the ultimate hunters. So you can see them as people who very quickly figure out what people's needs are so as to exploit them for their own personal benefit. And they do so by powerfully and with confidence selling somebody on the fact that they need something, whether or not that is true or not. And, you know, even though it is very tempting because let's be honest, people who are, are falling into this kind of a spectrum, they possess qualities we all want. We all want to feel totally confident. We all want to walk into a room and own the room. You know, we all want to be able to make a sale, right, if we're into that. The thing is, is that <laughs> it's like what means justify the ends, you know? And I'm going to tell you, like, it will come back to you eventually, no matter how many sales you make. If you make it with that energy of, I don't care whether this is actually good for the person buying then it's not a win-win. You've played a zero-sum game. And it's only a matter of time before that's reflected back to you. Hmm. You know, it's funny because, well, I'm a big fan of video games, particularly ones that have great storylines. And there's always a bit of a dilemma where the villain seems to have an ideology that they're trying to press upon everyone else about how to make things better. 
And I feel like there's a bit of that energy within myself when I'm selling, because I feel like I'm coming from a place of more awareness. I'm trying to solve problems. But I guess one of the things I'd love to ask is, how do I make sure I don't fall within the trap of feeling that, okay, in the moment that I'm so confident and I feel like I have the answers, that I'm not pushing my own agenda upon someone else, but I'm really keeping in check to make sure that I don't have flawed ideology into what I'm trying to sell as well. Continue to try to understand the person that's crossing you. It's that that will keep you safe. It is using understanding as like a safety rope as you're navigating the ocean of, you know, trying to make somebody aware of a value that they weren't even aware that was a value or a need that they weren't even aware was a need. Also, whenever you're met with resistance, right, which you will in sales, okay, you're going to be meeting with resistance. Whenever you meet with resistance, you've got to keep an open mind to the potential that the resistance that you're being met with may have a valid point. This is something that I don't see spoken about a lot, especially in the spiritual field, because we hear that word, you know, resistance, and we think, oh, that's automatically a bad thing. So like if I'm resistant to a romantic relationship, I need to get over my resistance. Maybe there's a truth there in that resistance, which is incredibly important to listen to and to understand. I mean, we get resistance when we walk into a dark alley, right? And so would we consider that resistance negative resistance? No, it's a very powerful truth that's coming up. So oftentimes when you meet that in sales, the resistance you're running up against, you know, it, it's basically some element of personal truth that the person has, which we have to pay attention to. So if we're, if we're being delicate enough with the resistance and being open to the resistance that somebody has, coming to understand it completely, then we're not just focused on our agenda and what we're after and what we're wanting. Hmm. I want to pull on that thread a little more because you're right. You will obviously see some resistance. And when you're in a sales scenario, it's almost like you're following your path and you have this process that you're supposed to take people through steps. And every time resistance comes, there can be like anxiety that comes up, blocks that comes up. You're like, oh no, like it's almost like you're feeling personal rejection to the path that you were trying to get somebody on towards the sale. And so I'd love to understand more about what's the psychology that's happening here when someone else brings up a resistance, it seems to bring up our insecurity as the seller. Well, because what you're wanting, if you're entering that room, most people are wanting a sale. And so the second that you're met with resistance, you feel like you're further away from that which you want, right? And all the things that getting that sale will get you. So it's natural for a person to feel, you know, separated from the thing that they're desperately needing or as if they've made some kind of a mistake and they can't accept that about themselves, which brings up all kinds of self-worth issues. And, you know, if you're attached enough to what it is that you're selling or to sales in general, attached in terms of your identity to that, then when somebody puts up a resistance, you feel personal rejection. Yeah. Yeah. I find it's fascinating because when when you're in a space of sales, I always say it's one of the best paths for personal growth because you're just forced of having a high volume of interaction with other humans, which have different needs, different perspectives, and you're trying to find consensus. So it's like, if you're trying to grow, I would say it's because you have to interact with other people. If you're in sales, there's so many people, you're in a process of high interaction. So it seems to be a super highway for growth. Have you noticed that for some of the people or maybe yourself, you had to step into sales in a big way and that has been a thread that happened throughout the process? I'm a whole different subject. What I do notice is that sales is an incredible, incredible path for personal growth because it will force you to 
come up against these dominant themes that are preventing your own alignment with whatever it is you're wanting or, you know, your own personal authenticity or whatever it is. So some of these blocks that a person runs into, and this is where personal growth is, you know, A plus supreme, manipulation is a theme that I see. Obviously, we just talked about rejection, issues of rejection, which brings back all those childhood, you know, memories and issues, right? We've got issues around, you know, people charging what they're worth. That's especially the case when you're selling some service and that service is yourself. Also, it like it holds a mirror up to your own ego and all of the elements of your ego. We talked about that when we when we were talking about the fact that salespeople have this tendency to make it all about them instead of make it about the reality and the needs that are present and the perspectives that are present within that person who you're looking at as the person you're trying to make the sales to. Judgment is another one that is a good one that comes up for people who are in sales, you know, because when somebody is humming and hawing around making a decision that they obviously should make from your perspective, and they're just, it's really easy to just fall into judgment of the other person. And then it throws a wall up and then you're not going to get anywhere with them. Also planning, right? A lot of people have a very hard time planning things out. It is so difficult to make a sale when you haven't planned things out. But I find a lot of people are really, really resistant to that. Another thing that I notice in terms of personal growth is this attachment to a specific outcome. So in sales, you get a lot more addiction to the how of it. You know, the how for what I want is that I'm going to make this person buy this thing, you know, and the universe loves to be like, oh, really? We have an attachment to an outcome, right? Another issue that I notice or bloggers that I notice is people not being willing to be adaptive. I notice that people who are in sales like to get into a rut, right? And sales brings this huge opportunity with it for people to have to be incredibly adaptive. And like you said, meeting all kinds of people from all different walks of life forces you into an adaptation, which is, you know, impressive. Another blockage that I notice is blaming others, right? When you go to make a sale and it doesn't go the way that you want to make it. It's tempting to want to blame the other person, maybe their mental blocks, maybe to you know blame the circumstance. There's a million things you could blame instead of looking at oneself and how one is, you know, maybe in the way of their own uh, desire process around their uh, job or career. Also, and this one I'm really interested in, is that in terms of growth and sales, there is this absolute necessity to be present with the person who you're trying to make a sales to. So anybody who has an issue around being present or has an issue around helping somebody to gain clarity and really helping them through that whole process of resolving resistance and of welcoming whatever change that sale is going to bring in for them, they don't do so well with sales. But, you know, therein lies that huge growth potential to be present. And even that opens up doors for us in relationships. I mean, the better you get at being really, really present there for the person you're trying to sell to, the better you get at being present in all your relationships. And again, it's like bringing yourself out of the narcissism back to the other person, back to the other person, back to the other person. Yeah. Oh my God. I love this final part because it's so true. Like the biggest thing that I've been able to change in the way that I show up in sales is this concept of presence. And Again, it goes back to what we were saying at the beginning. There's so many times I would find myself, you know, being so attached to the outcome, wanting the how to go along my process, thinking about what's the next question I need to ask while the person's answering. So I'm not even truly being present. I'm not truly being attentive. 
And here I've just lost the whole point of the conversation. I'm like distracted by the how. And so the what that's happening doesn't even have a purpose. So I love all this. It's so true. And I think people underestimate the amount of growth and power that you get to have when you go through sales training, sales practice, doing it like you get to be shaped as a completely different person. And there's no wiggle room. I feel like a lot of the employments that you can have in the world gives you some leeway to kind of, you know, blame others and not have it be noticed. But in sales, it's all on you. There's a huge amount of it that it's all self-responsible and results usually speak for themselves. And I would love to know for yourself, like from your views, and even since I know there's sales that has to happen in your organizations too, how do we see this letting go of the desired attachment to outcomes, right? Yet still feeling the pressures of hitting certain targets and results that is so prevalent in the sales world. I got people who are better than I am to do all of that for me because I have my hands full. My job, I feel like, is the hardest job of all. I'm selling people on new ideas. Honestly, I have very little to do with the business element of my career because of the fact that I needed to keep myself so wholeheartedly on the sales of new ideas, <laughs> which is so overwhelming. So overwhelming, I can't even tell you. Yeah, so that was my solution. I mean, I talk about this a lot with conscious business. It is so important to get people on your team that are better at doing things than you are. And it is really hard. Like, I'll tell you, the process, especially for like a type A like myself, for a type A or somebody who really likes to have control over things, that first push in your business where you have to scale by taking somebody else on and let them take over something else. Oh, man, it's torment. But I mean, there's nothing better than that at the same time bringing people in who are better at this than you are. And there are definitely people who are better at, you know, funneling and all those good things that come along with the business than me. I'm like not involved. But you are involved in the sense that, like you said, you need to be the person that's communicating the new ideas in a powerful way. And of course, I 100% agree. That is no small feat. You're the one that's putting yourself out there. You're the one that's actually sharing these challenging people, encouraging others for change. And if you're not doing it on a one-to-one -one basis on a sales call and you're doing it from one to many, now you have opportunities for handling people of all the types in one shot with different perspective, different interpretations, yet you have to manage yourself to be able to show up and sell in the process. And just doing one-to-one -one sales for those who haven't done you know sales you're like oh you just get on the phone and talk to people there's a huge energy exchange that happens through every sales conversation so you're going to be investing a lot and i find when you're on a stage that's the same thing as well so i personally love to know some of the practices that you would encourage for emotional management energy management when you're out there sharing helping people through change you know helping them through their blocks which is all sales process in my book we have to take care of ourselves too. So do you have some of the best practices you could share for somebody who's needing to do these kinds of facilitations so they can be at their best state and can show up fully? I think the most important thing is to walk into it understanding that every person you meet is going to mirror something back to you and a lot of those things are going to be super painful. So I don't walk in with a mentality that it's going to feel good. I wipe that expectation away from myself because I know I'm going to be disappointed if that's the case especially knowing that like, it's almost like layer after layer after layer will come up with the people who confront you. You know, the rest of it just goes awesome. You can resource that. You can resource the stuff that goes great. But the stuff that makes us lie awake at night at three o'clock in the morning is stuff that doesn't go well. So the first thing that I do mentally is I actually get to the place where I'm like, I know it's not going to go perfectly well. 
I actually know that. Now, I know a lot of people who are in a manifestation would be like, what? You're supposed to expect it to go awesome. But I'm, I'm not actually in that camp. I'm in the camp of if I expect that I'm going to be meeting with some resistance, then when that resistance meets me, my mentality is going to be better because I'm not going, oh, it shouldn't be happening. So it's almost like I'm stepping into the field with people with an attitude of, all right, we're dancing here. We're dancing back and forth with resistance specifically. That's what I'm in a relationship with. When I met with that resistance, I master working with their resistance. That is to powerfully understand it. You can't go up against resistance. You have to actually work with it. It has to be this like dynamic sort of an art form. And you get better and better and better and better at that, especially when you're doing your own work. I use shadow work like you would never believe. Because anything that is happening in me in response to what I'm being met with indicates that there's something I'm not you know, particularly in touch with about myself, or maybe a new truth about the same theme that I have been dealing with a hundred times over. It's always a new layer. And when you deal with that new layer within yourself, you actually figure out how to deal with it on the outside. So there's an automatic conversion between self-work and being able to work with people externally. Um, That's one thing. So item number two, I make sure to keep myself on a physical level so pure, it would blow people's minds in order to hold the kind of energies that you have to hold when you're dealing with people specifically and with their thought patterns and emotional issues, you have to be in a state of alignment that goes far beyond what is required for most people. That means my diet is absolutely impeccable. That means I'm considering everything that I'm putting in my body as something I'm putting in my body, whether it's something that's coming in through the ears or through the eyes or whatever else. I'm trying to keep myself in a state that's super, super high. That doesn't mean avoiding negative, but that means if I'm going to go intentionally engage with something negative, then I'm doing so intentionally, not sort of in this passive consuming of junk food type of way. I'm also pretty rigorous about my exercise routine, and I'm also very rigorous about meditation and being present with myself, not getting scattered and distracted and out there. I have to keep myself in a space that is centered. Yeah, I would say that's probably the best advice that I have for working with other people, for sure. (laughs) hundred percent. And I say yes to all of this. And again, whether you are listening to this and you're somebody that, you know, speaks on a stage, does sales calls, you're building your business, working with teammates, you know, we're talking about different dimensions of literally just communicating with other people, connecting with other people and having a way of, you know, mastering your own energy. It becomes just more high intensity when the stakes go up from speaking on a stage or doing sales. And sales, you'll be talking volume, you'll be doing this repetitively if you're dealing with, let's say, a very long queue of people that you need to connect to, that need your help, that need the impact that you make in their lives. You showing up at your best is the best gift you can give to everyone in the process. And Teal, I'll take a moment to acknowledge, thank you for everything that you show up for, whether it's online or in person. I know that you know managing your energy is what creates the amazing content that you get to share with everyone. And I just want to acknowledge that And uh, for everybody who's listening, if you're not already familiar with Teal Swan, I highly recommend that you go down the rabbit hole. There's amazing books that I'm going to put links on the description and YouTube videos that you definitely want to go through as well. But I will give you the fair warning that what you hear might not always be something that just puts nice, fun, positive things in your mind. It really makes you do the real work that is necessary for us to transcend what is gonna be possibly some turbulent times that seem to be coming along, how do we actually use this as the vehicle for growth moving towards a more positive future? Which kind of is where I would love to land this, Teal, which is 
of course, hard times seems to be coming. We're seeing extremism come up. There's things, there's a lot of chaos in the world as well. Any advice you would give for somebody entrepreneurial, maybe on the beginning of a sales career uh, that would help them navigate the coming months or years in a more powerful way? Yeah, understand that business is ultimately about needs. So you've got to be attuned to what needs come up within people. And there are some needs which people are always going to need no matter what is happening. And there are some needs which definitely come up and create brand new opportunities when society changes and when people change and when... <laughs> Yeah, when things go to hell. So I don't want people, especially when they're thinking about, you know, business to think that everything's going straight to hell because it never does. Honestly, everything that happens creates opportunities. It's whether you can recognize those opportunities and whether you're tapped into the needs of the fellow people around you. Right. And this is where we come back to this original theme, which I feel like is the most important thing we said today, which is that honestly, if you're in any kind of business, sales, whatever it is. It is so important to care much more about the needs of the people that you are essentially catering to than it is to be concerned about yourself and what you're getting. Because if you give in the universe, the universe gives back. It may not be the way you thought, but it will definitely happen. A little fine print there, but absolutely true. And uh, regardless, I think you're putting yourself again on a powerful path. Teal, thank you so much for coming on the show. There's one question I love to ask all my guests when I do closings, which is just the fact that you're on the Selling with Love podcast. I have to ask, from your perspective, how would you say or describe what is selling with love for you? Okay, so my definition of love, right? If you want to look at it in the most objective um, way that you can. To love is to take somebody else's best interests as a part of your best interests. It is to take them as a part of you. So to sell with love is essentially the ultimate form of the win-win. It is to create a kind of a conscious transaction where both you and I are served by our interaction with one another. The completion process. Teal, it was a fascinating conversation. Thank you so much for your time. As I've mentioned, everybody, have a look at the show notes. I will have some relevant links for you to go deeper into this process. I will have some relevant episodes from Teal's episodes that you can actually go into and see how you can go deeper into this field. It is not for the faint of heart. The shadow work, the things that you need to be aware of are going to be things that really put you on a powerful path of growth. And I'm super excited that we got to have Teal join us today. So please listen again if you had any moments that you want to go clearer, deeper on. And with that, I want to leave you with go out there and keep selling with love and make sure you spend some time caring for others. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast.